This daily update interview with Mark Zuckerberg about the metaverse was published on Thursday, October 28th, 2021. This interview was conducted on Tuesday, two days before the Facebook Connect keynote, where Zuckerberg unveiled his vision for the metaverse and announced his company's new name, Meta. There were no limitations on the interview. It was my choice to focus on the company's new vision and not the current controversies about Facebook. On to the interview. I just watched your presentation. Uh, I, I I did get a, a view of it before before you showed the world, but I don't know the name, so the name is not going to come up in this conversation. It is definitely being kept close to best. But w- who is the target for this presentation? Given that you're painting a picture of something that is several years in the future, you know I could definitely see critics saying, "Oh, it's just a bunch of vaporware." And I, I get your point is you want you said you're spending all this money to build something. You want to show what it is that you're building. But who is it that you want to show it to? Is it employees? Is it recruits? Is it investors? Is it developers? I suspect you're going to say the last one, but there doesn't seem to be a huge number of opportunities outside of games quite yet for this sort of vision that you painted, which is, you know, uh, many years down the road. Sure. So this film was meant to be a description of the vision of what we're doing. And so, you know, I tried to be pretty clear up front that this was, you know, not a, a traditional corporate keynote in the sense of like, okay, we're just going to tick through uh, this year's product announcements or anything like that. Um, it, it was meant to be a more expansive view of what we're hoping to build over the next, I don't know, call it 10 years, right, and, and, and help build there. Um, so, but I think that there's a lot of ambiguity around what the metaverse means, right? I think people say different things and it, it means different things to different people. So I, I thought it would just be useful to put our stake in the ground on what we thought some of the most important use cases are gonna be, but also just philosophically what some of the principles are that are most important around building it. Um, what needs to be interoperable? What some of the, the foundational components are? Um, you know, what the business model should be? Um, the different ways of looking at that, um, what a bunch of the foundational pieces of technology that, that need to come together are. So I, I um, you know, by tr- we tried to put the, this piece together, this film together to, to basically outline all of that. So you talked about things like interoperability and, you know, the importance of openness, and you referenced your sort of experience being an app on someone else's platform and how that sort of influenced your thinking. But, but, but there is a tension here where to deliver on a metaverse sort of vision, particularly when you talk about things like being able to carry, say, purchases across different experiences, where it, it actually may be easier if there is one company providing the, the, the totality of the fabric. I mean, and that does seem to be this vision where Facebook is Facebook is the, the water in which you swim when you're in the metaverse, or not Facebook, but the, the, whatever your, the, the new name, the new, the new idea for this, for this metaverse is. And then other people can sort of plug into it. Is that a good characterization of the way you're thinking about it? Or do you see this really being a sort of peer-to-peer sort of thing where there are other metaverses and those are also interoperable? How, 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 how do you, what's your vision on how that plays out? Sure. So I think it's probably more peer-to-peer. Um, and I think the vocabulary on this matters a, a, a little bit. I mean, we, do, we don't think about this as if you know, different companies are going to build different metaverses. 
we think that the metaverse is sort of, you know, we think about it in terminology like the mobile internet. Um, you know, you wouldn't say that Facebook or Google are building their own internet. And I don't think in the future it will make sense to say that we are building our own metaverse either. I think we're, we're each, you know, building different infrastructure and components that go towards um, hopefully helping to build this out overall. And I think that those pieces will need to work together in, in some ways. So we're trying to help build a bunch of the fundamental technology and platforms that will go towards enabling this. And there's a, a bunch on the hardware sides. Um, so there's, there's the VR goggles, there's the AR glasses, um, the input um, EMG systems, things like that. Then there's platforms around commerce and creators and of course, social platforms. But there will be different other companies that are building each of those things as well um, that will compete, but also hopefully have some set of open standards where uh, things can be interoperable. And I think the most important piece here is that the virtual goods and you know, digital economy that's going to get built out, that that can be interoperable. So it's not just about you know, you build an app or an experience that it can work across our headset or someone else's. I, I think it's really important that basically if you have, you know, your, your avatar and your digital clothes and your digital tools and the experiences around that. And I think being able to take that to other experiences that other people build, whether it's on a platform that we're building or not, is going to be really foundational and will unlock a lot of value if that's, if that's a thing that we can do. And I mean, I guess I, now, I've talked a bunch about how I, I think that we should design our computing platforms around people rather than apps. And I guess that's sort of what I'm talking about is I think the, on phones today, the foundational element is an app, right? That's sort of the organizing principle for, for kind of your phone and how you navigate it. But I would hope that in the future, the organizing principle will be kind of you, your, your identity, your, your stuff, right? Your digital goods, your connections, and then you'll be able to pretty seamlessly go between different experiences and different devices on that. And I think that building that in up front is, uh, is, is, is going to be pretty important to maximizing the creative economy around this and making it so that, you know, someone who's building one of these digital goods or experiences can make it as valuable as possible because it just works across a lot of different things. So this idea of organizing around people instead of apps is not a new one that we've heard from you in particular. I think this was something that you articulated a lot. When I first started Strategy, I actually spent a lot of time being fairly critical of Facebook, particularly your efforts around building your own phone and your, your own launcher and things on those lines, in part because I disagreed with this it ought to be organized around people sort of thinking. My, my view was the actual, the app organization made sense because you wanted your phone to do a whole host of jobs, not all of which were necessarily social. And to and that it was, you know, Facebook was being a little solipsistic and focusing on this particular point of view. Do, do you still, do you still hold, do you think I was wrong? Do you still hold by your view that phones ought to have gone a different way? Or do you think maybe, well, actually the paradigm ended up making sense. But for this next paradigm, it really should be about people this time. Or, 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 should, have mo or should have phones developed differently in your view had Facebook had the underlying platform inst instead of Apple? Would we think about the mobile internet very differently than we do now? Well, I, I think it would have been a little bit different, but, it's, um, but I do think that there's a, a, a big opportunity for it to be quite different going forward. Um, because I think the metaverse is this embodied internet, right? Where instead of looking at the internet, you're in it. 
So organizing it around your personal experience and you know your your identity in that, um, I, I think just makes a lot more sense in terms of making it so that you can you can travel between different experiences and and, and bring your stuff. Um, but you know, there, there's the vision way of looking at this, which is sort of the, the, the high level abstract version. And then there's just a lot of specific trade-offs that you make along the way when you're building out these platforms. And one of them that, that I tried to, that we talked about a little bit in the, the film is what we're doing around building Project Cambria, which is the, the next VR headset that we're gonna release where one of the big new features is around um, you know, eye tracking and face tracking. And the reason why we're putting those in is because we're really optimizing for social presence which I think is going to be important across a lot of use cases that, that, we, that we talk about in the, in the, in the, in the film, not just, not just the ones that you'd think about as social where you're hanging out with someone. But you know, eye tracking, it's really important for, among other things, giving, you know, being able to make eye contact in, in VR and, and AR. Um, face tracking is valuable, so that way you can, you can smile physically and you know, your avatar can smile, and it, it creates a, a, a much rich, richer sense of presence. And the reality is, is that there's a real trade-off about including those sensors, right? It's, you know, it's a, in addition to the, the financial cost of including them, um, it also makes the device a little bit bigger. Um, maybe it makes it a little thicker. So if you were trying to design the package with the goal of having it be as thin as possible, which, you know, other companies might do, then, um, then maybe you'd, you'd trade that off. And I think that there's a real intellectual battle, if you will, about what will be the default package of things that, that is in our, our VR experience or our AR experience. And we're trying to propose our set of ideas for how we think that'll go. You know, if, if, of course, if, if that ends up not being useful to people, then it'll go in a different direction. But I think that there's a good chance that it will be. And I think that that will basically just influence, um, hopefully, the, the direction that this whole next platform evolves in, not just for the devices that we're building, but for, for the ones that, that, that other companies build as well. So I, I kind of think the, these decisions about how much the platform is designed around human connection, it's not just like a th one thing, right? It's there, there are all these different decisions in each iteration of you know, the hardware and the software that we're gonna do that I think are gonna add up to um, a picture that could end up looking pretty different over time. So in a similar vein, I've always been, you know, I think like a lot of people more bullish about AR versus VR, because like a phone, it's something that sort of accompanies you in the real world, as opposed to, you know, being immersive and you sort of go somewhere else. And that always seemed like a, a different, a valuable and important part of technology, but sort of a, a different, a different road. I do have to say the last couple of years, particularly the COVID era has changed my perspective a little bit as there does seem to be more and more of sort of a bifurcation between your online reality and your offline reality. It's something I wrote about in the context of work where like people call it working from home, but I actually think that's, that's a misnomer. It's actually working online and you can work online from anywhere, but when you go online, you're in a sort of a different place, cognitively speaking, than you are when you're sort of at work or, or, or sorry, at home or, or playing with your kids or, or you're seeing your friends or whatever it might be. And so as I'm thinking through this, if there is this bifurcation, is it possible that VR actually does end up becoming more important and more meaningful in this, in this future than AR, where AR is a way to 
keep in touch with the virtual world when you're out and about, but actually you're going to want to spend more and more time actually fully immersed and withdrawn from the real world because they really are two different places. Well, I think that it all kind of fits together as one platform, but I I mean, I think I've been more optimistic about virtual reality than most other people have. I mean, I think in the tech industry, there's been this view that, um, yeah, you know, maybe VR is sort of an entree to this, but really augmented reality is going to be the big thing. And I've always been a little more balanced on that, where, you know, I think augmented reality will be very important. So I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't discount that. But, you know, remember, if you think about the analogies to our current screens, um, you know, augmented reality glasses are probably most like your smartphone, right? They're, it's a mobile product. You take it with you where you go places. And I think um, VR is, you know, it's somewhere in between uh, your, your kind of computer that you sit down for a session and you're doing it, or, or it's even more immersive, like your screen, your TV. And I, I think it's easy for people, you know, a lot of people, especially in the tech industry, to lose sight of the fact that, you know, I think most Americans spend almost as much time on their TV as, um, as they spend on their phones. So, um, and then of course, if you added the computer in, then that would be, um, then, then it would probably be at least half the time. So I, I do think you're, you're potentially right that, that I think virtual reality is going to be very important. Um, but I also don't think that they're completely separate. I think you're going to, you know, part of what we tried to outline in the, in the film are experiences where you have people who are in augmented reality, interacting with people who are in virtual reality, and then also having those people interact with people who are in these 3D spaces on their phones or on their computers, because I, I just think that this is going to need to be something that spans all these different devices. Um, and I'm pretty optimistic about that, too. So what is the what's the limiting factor in this vision? Like, like I, I see you, you, you do a lot of pitching in this presentation about bringing developers on, as I noted before, you know, developer like there's a lot of this stuff still needs to be be built uh, and foundational stuff. And so some of the things like marketplaces and selling avatars and all that sort of stuff, none of that is really available yet. And, and so is it just getting, you know, getting that ready and the developers will come and users will follow? Or is it getting sort of users on board and convinced of this vision? I think, you know, the big advantage that mobile had is the use case of carrying a phone with you was already present. And so the smartphone was just replacing a mobile phone and and made this sort of go to market much easier. Whereas this is really something fundamentally, or it feels like it's something fundamentally new. We have to teach people new ways to sort of, you know, work, work and operate and, and convince them why the old way, why the old way is wrong. I mean, or do you think there's just sort of going to be a seam, a way to seamlessly transition from where we are to where we want to go? I mean, like basically I, I can buy your vision of, of, of the, the, the mountain, you know, where we're trying to get to and we're on this hill here, but you know, how do you get from here to there, I guess is kind of the question. Yeah. I, I mean, that's sort of what we tried to, to lay out in the, in the film. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, I think it's, it's not just one challenge. I think that there's aspects of the technology that need to get built that just don't exist today. We, we just can't build yet. Um, the augmented reality glasses in the form factor that we want. And um, and that's still, you know, at least a few years away. Um, so there's just, there's, and that, that, that's just to get to the starting line, right? Usually it's not the V1 product. That's the blockbuster. You know, even with something like the iPhone, it wasn't really until V2 or V3 that it really took off in a, in a, in a, in a major way. Um, you know, certainly we've seen that with Quest 2, right? Where, where kind of the original Quest, I think, had kind of got the form factor right. 
but then it was Quest 2 that really took off in a, in a, in a major way. Um, so there, there, there were kind of technological aspects of this. And then there are use case aspects. So you, you asked earlier, you know, who is the, the film for? And I, I, don't, I don't know that it was specifically for um, any one of those audiences. I think it's sort of just to put our stake, uh, you know, intellectually and philosophically around what we're trying to build out there. And I think there, there are elements of it for all of the audiences that you said. I think it's, you know, partially it's to, to kind of, you know, put our, our stake in the ground around how we think this stuff, this stuff should work for developers. Um, you know, some of it is certainly for employees or recruits, right? I, I want to establish our company as, you know, if, if you want to work on this stuff, I think we're going to be the most exciting place to go do that. Um, for partners, I think I, I want them to know where we're going so that way we can, we can make the partnerships that we need to and, 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 and so on. Um, but yeah, for consumers too, I think understanding the use cases is a really important piece. Gaming, I think, makes a lot of sense to people. You know, people are used to you know, buying an Xbox or a PlayStation. And I think quickly Quest is reaching the scales where, um, where I think in the not so far off future, um, it'll, it'll be at least as big as those platforms if we, if we keep doing well. Um, but then I think you're getting new use cases like fitness that are really exciting to people, right? I mean, I, I see, you know, you have a Peloton bike, I think in the back there, but I, I think that people, you know, it's the, the vision of basically you have this $300 device and it's now your workout device and you can take it with you to places, um, I, I think is going to increasingly resonate more as, as, you know, these different apps can, can add more different activities, right? Like boxing and dancing and, um, you know, different types of cardio or, or um, you know, adding tracked weights so you can do, um, so you can do resistance training. So I think that that's just going to be a, a completely new use case. And then you can kind of just go through these one by one. I think there's a bunch of work things. There's a bunch around training and education, um, certainly a bunch around commerce. And I think you'll just layer those in over time, but um, be right. I, I do think that this is somewhat, this is more different of a thing than, um, than smartphones were to phones before it. By the end of this decade, or even by the middle of the decade, I would guess that we're going to reach a point where our VR devices will start to be clearly better for almost every use case than our laptops and computers are. Um, so I think at that point, that, that um, replacement, I think, will start to really make a, a lot more sense, um, even just for day-to-day -day productivity. But yeah, I, I think that that's, um, I think it's going to be this, you know, it, it'll be one use case at a time for a lot of people. I, I, I will admit, I mean, I, I've been very impressed with workrooms. I've actually been using it with my team that's been working on Passport for meetings once a week. And your focus on presence, I think it's, it's one of those things you talk about it a lot, but until you actually experience it, it's hard to, it's hard to articulate why it is valuable. It's very interesting. You talk about, you know, there's this distinction between people versus apps that we talked about. Is there a similar sort of distinction between presence versus sort of asynchronous communication? Because I think that's one of the things people like about messaging, for example, you don't necessarily have to be right on top of it. It can be sort of an ongoing conversation over you know, days and weeks and months. Whereas, you know, this, you know, the present, the, the good thing about presence is it is it's, it is quite tangible. I, I have to say, I, I'm very impressed by it. On the other hand, you do have to sit down, you have to put on the headset, you have to log in, like, like there's a very sort of deliberate at part of that, 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 that feels, you know, very different than where we've been. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll get both sides of this. I think that there's a clear arc of technology where, you know, when I got started with Facebook, 
most of the content online was text. And that was for a bunch of technological reasons. And then we got phones that had cameras and you know the internet became a lot more visual. And then the internet connections got a lot better to the point where now the primary way that we share experiences is video. But at each step along the way, it's not like text went away, right? So you, you, you're gonna have a lot of that. But I do think that now what we're enabling is a new level of immersion and experience. And um, I, I, I don't think it's gonna continue to be the case that you need to, um, you know, I, I certainly don't think you're gonna kind of put on a VR headset in order to have a quick message thread. Um, although I, I do think that for augmented reality, for example, one of the killer use cases is basically gonna be, you're gonna have glasses and you're gonna have something like EMG on your wrist and you're gonna be able to have um, a message thread going on when you're in the middle of a meeting or doing something else and no one else is even going to notice, right? So, I mean, think about, you know, what we've had over the last couple of years with, um, you know, during the pandemic where everyone's been on Zoom. And one of the things that I've found very productive is you can sort of have side channel conversations or chat threads going while you're having the main meeting. And there, I actually think that that would be a pretty useful thing to be able to have in real life too. And where, where basically you're, you're, you're having a, a physical conversation or you're coming together, but you can also, um, you know, receive incoming messages without having to take out your phone or look at your watch um, and even respond quickly in, in, a, in a way that's, that's, that's discreet and private. So I, I think that there are going to be those use cases. Um, I think that there are going to be easier ways to get in and out of um, experiences where you're, you're experiencing that deep sense of presence. But I mean, again, going back to one of your opening points today, you're like, why did you put together this video? I, I think you know a big part of it is that it has been very hard to explain some of these concepts without people actually experiencing them. Um, you know, you talk about presence in workrooms, and you know, I think no matter how many times I explain or try to try to um, express, you know, how how kind of profound of a, of a sensation this feeling of presence is. Um, it's not really until people get into the experience that they that they actually have a sense of it. And I, um, you know, I thought that putting together this film would start to elucidate some of the use cases in a useful way for people. But I, I think you're probably right that it's not until people really experience what that real augmented reality experience is, or or get a VR headset that um, that that kind of fits the the use case that they need. That that a lot of these things are really going to come to life. But but I think it's just going to keep growing because um, these are very useful use cases to people. Why now for the vision, right? I mean, like there, there is an aspect of you know Facebook's you know seems very hamstrung as far as acquisitions go. You know, like you know, is there really any other alternative for Facebook's cash flow other than returning it to investors? than this sort of all in bet on the universe. Like, I guess in other words, like is Facebook building the universe because it's sort of, or building the universe, uh, building the metaverse because it is best positioned to build something that is inevitable or because Facebook sort of needs the metaverse to exist so that it has sort of further growth opportunities that are independent of Apple, right? I mean, to your credit, I mean, you did buy Oculus way back in 2014. So this obviously isn't a, isn't a new sort of vision, but to sort of right now reorganize the company to sort of paint out this vision, to start announcing how much you're investing and to what degree, like to what, it, like, what are the, what are the forces and everything? And obviously there's the news cycles going on. Like what ties into why now, why, why in October, 2021, is this the time to sort of paint this vision 
and be super public and upfront about it? Um, well, I think there's a few things, but you know, I mean, there's all the business reasons and product reasons. I mean, I think that this is going to unlock a lot of the product experiences that that I've, I've sort of wanted to build since even before I, I started Facebook. From a business perspective, I think that this is going to unlock a massive amount of digital commerce, and um, you know, strategically, I think it'll it'll you know, we'll have hopefully an opportunity to shape the development of the next platform in order to make it more amenable to these kind of uh, ways that I think people will naturally want to in- interact. Um, but one of the things that I've found in building the company so far is that you can't reduce everything to a business case up front. I think a lot of times the biggest opportunity is um, you kind of just need to care about them and like and and think that something is going to be awesome and um, and, and have some conviction and, and build it. And to some degree, one of the things that I've been surprised about a number of times in my career is when something that seemed really obvious to me and that I expected, you know, clearly someone else is going to go build this thing that they just don't. And I think a lot of times things that seem like they're obvious that they should be invested in by someone, um, it just doesn't happen. So, I mean, I, I like, I, care about about this existing not just virtual and augmented reality existing but it getting built out in a way that really advances the state of of human connection and and enables people to to be able to interact in in a different way i mean that's sort of what i've dedicated my my life's work to um and i'm not sure i i don't, I don't know that if if we weren't investing so much in this that that would happen or that it would happen as quickly or that it would happen in the same way. I think that we're, we are going to, to kind of shift the direction of that. Um, in terms of the timing, I think. Well, just say, let's go back to the timing. Cause I think this is actually a really, really interesting point. And, 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 you know, there, there's a, you said something in the introduction of the video, the effect of, you know, I believe we're put on earth to create, you know, technology can make our lives better and the, and the future won't be built on its own. And there is this very sort of like, we have to go and sort of seize the day point of view to it that, that I, 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 I agree with. It does seem to be somewhat in conflict with the narrative, though, that many of Facebook's challenges that you're obviously dealing with in the real world right now are internet challenges, right? Where, you know, when you get all of humanity online, you're going to have these bad outcomes because, you know, like humanity does a lot of bad things. And, and that suggests that, you know, these, these would exist even if Facebook didn't exist, you know? So, so how do you balance this idea? Like how would the world be different today if Facebook had never existed? And to your point that you sort of were driving at, how would the metaverse be different if Facebook doesn't try and build it in your vision, where, where's the balance there? Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to answer the, the counterfactuals on some of these. Um, I mean, on, um, cause I'm not sure who else would have filled whatever gaps or over what time period, what would have happened. Um, you know, I mean, I can, I can tell you, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I've taken away from the last five years is, um, you know, I, I, I do think that we've built up a lot of programs around, um, you know, basically fighting against harmful content in different ways, really strengthening our privacy program, um, you know, our, our programs around elections that, I mean, I do think in retrospect, it, it would have been better if I, if, if, um, if, if I had, you know, invested in those a lot, a lot earlier in the company. Now, I mean, to some degree, when I was, at, you know, getting started in, in my dorm room, you know, we obviously couldn't have had 10,000 people or 40,000 people doing content moderation then. 
And the AI capacity at that point just didn't exist to go proactively find a lot of harmful content. But you know, at some point along the way, it started to become possible to do more of that as we as we became a um, a bigger business. And and I I do think um, taking some of those lessons and building it in up front, as, as, which I, I I care a lot about doing with our metaverse work, right? Building in privacy and safety from day one, as well as interoperability, um, open standards. Um, I think certain integrations with decentralized apps in the crypto community and, and supporting some of those projects. I think that that's going to be really important stuff to build in from, from day one. Ogden Morrow says in um, Ready Player One, uh, speaking of Oasis, which, you know, I've famously Oculus had everybody read Ready Player One. I'm not sure if that's still the case for uh, for, for workers now. But he said that um, one of the reasons he was a little skeptical of what they had built was Quote, it had become a self-imposed prison for humanity, a pleasant place for the world to hide from its problems while human civilization slowly collapses, primarily due to neglect. And it's a very sort of insightful passage in that the harm here is not Oasis per se. It's that Oasis was so awesome that people no longer felt the need to sort of invest and take the time to deal with the real world. And I think that's, uh, you know, one of the reasons why we talk about what, why do entrepreneurial innovative people want to work in tech? Well, because it's the, it's like, you can actually work in the virtual world. You don't have to deal with all the, all the real world, you know, regulations and gunk and political problems and all those sorts of things. And it's very attractive because you can just build. Uh, but, but, but is that a, I mean, is that an affirmative vision? Is it like, is there a worry that at the end of the day, we do still have to eat? We do still have, you know, to get energy like, like that, we lose sight of the real world or, or is this sort of a thing where we'll look at all the people that have terrible existences right now. And if they can enter a metaverse and they can learn and they can experience new things, it's actually a net uplifting of humanity. Like, like, like where, where do you think about these bigger picture impacts of this vision? Sure. So a, a couple of thoughts. One is that I think that the phrase, the real world is interesting because I think that there's a physical world and there's a digital world and increasingly those are sort of being overlaid and coming together. But I would argue that increasingly the real world is the combination of the digital world and the physical world. And that the real world is not just the physical world. Right. So I think that that's, that I, I think is an interesting kind of frame to think about this stuff going forward. Um, I mean, my grounding on a lot of this stuff philosophically is that human connection and relationships are one of the most important things in our lives. And, you know, I kind of think that our society systematically undervalues that, you know, it's, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, you know, my parents kind of told me, okay, go do your homework and then you can play with your friends. Okay. I actually think in retrospect, you know, those friendships were probably more important than the homework. And, and I think that that's sort of pervasive to our, to our society. And I think is also one of the reasons why people to some degree think that social apps are sort of frivolous and, um, I think in a lot of ways undervalue a, a lot of the day-to-day -day value that gets created there um, and, and why it's so important. And then, and then there's that disconnect between some of the, the broader narrative and then how much billions of people around the world care about using this stuff. Um, so I think that that's, that's all important too. The, the third thing that I'd say is um, I think it's really important that the metaverse works for people not just as consumers, but as creators, and that people economically have a stake in it as well. And 
this is one of the lessons that I've taken away from the last five years of, of some of the issues that 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 um, that we've struggled with as well is that it's just it's not enough to just build a product that people love. Um, you, there needs to be a, an ecosystem that's built around it where a large number of people have a stake in the success of that thing um, and are benefiting not just as consumers but also economically as it grows in order for it to be a sustainable enterprise in the world at the scale that we're talking about. And you know for um, for Facebook and Instagram, I think a lot of that has been, you know, there have been creators on the platform, there are advertisers who are a part of that. But I think for the metaverse, um, the creator economy is just going to have to be a very fundamental thing to it. And, and my hope for this is that it's not just primarily a, uh, you know, consumption oriented experience, like what uh, I think the, the illusion that you were making to, to Ready Player One, but that this is something that a lot of people, millions of creators and developers will be active participants in and, and, and sort of have, have a, an, an active stake in, um, in how it gets developed. And how does, how does Facebook make money in this world? I mean, is there, is there an app store fee? Like, like what is the, like you're proposing to spend over time, hundreds of billions of dollars. Like where does that return on investment come from? Sure. So I think at the end of the day, it's going to be, there's going to be commerce. And I think commerce and ads are kind of closely related, right? Because um, you know, if there's not any commerce, then there's not much for people to advertise for. Um, and, 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 you know, so I think the first job that we need to do, well, I guess the first job is getting the foundational technology to work. Then after that, our, our next goal from a business perspective is increasing the GDP of the metaverse as much as possible. So that way you can, you can have, and hopefully by the end of the decade, hundreds of billions of dollars of digital commerce and digital goods and digital clothing and experiences and, um, and, and, and all of that. And I think the best way to increase the GDP of the metaverse is to have the fees be as low as possible and as favorable as possible to creators. And I know this is a very different approach that we're taking um, than what the mobile, mobile platforms today have taken. It's, it's much more similar to the, the approach that, that we've taken with our apps, right? Where, you know, we, the apps are, have been free, right? Our, our ad auction um, you know, gives every advertiser the lowest price that we, that we can. Um, you know, for when we build commerce tools, we generally offer them at, at um, you know, either, either at no cost or, or sort of at cost to us. Um, and then the idea is you build as big of an ecosystem as possible. And then some things have to be scarce, right? So whether that's people searching for something in an app store or a limited number of ad units in a feed, and then you, you, you basically have a market set the pricing there. So that's basically the approach that I want us to take in the metaverse too, which is, you know, we're going to build devices and we're either going to subsidize them or offer them at cost. Um, we're going to make the app store model, I think, dramatically more open than anything that you've seen um, on, on mobile today, where, you know, we already do side loading on Quest and, you know, we do App Lab and we do Link so you can have stuff running on your PC, but and we'll, we'll keep on doing that because I think the choice for consumers is important and for developers. Um, and we're going to try to make it so that the the um, the commerce tools that we build have as low of fees as possible. And at the end of the day, I think that there are going to there are going to be some things that are scarce around attention. Maybe when you're when you're searching for something in the app store or you know a billboard in in when you're in in the metaverse. Um, and and in those things, I think when the volume gets to be big, we will um, that'll be a meaningful business for us. But we're we're certainly willing to invest dramatically ahead of the business opportunity in order to help create and and um, and and sort of enable this whole ecosystem. 
where's your time going to be? I mean, so Nuco, where I'm calling it Nuco, I uh, don't know the name yet, but presumably you are going to be the CEO of that. Is there going to be a new Facebook CEO, like a, a Sundar Pichai? Like what is, what's the, you know, I, I, I'm, an, I'm an analyst. So organize, reorganize your financial statements is a huge deal to me. I think maybe that hasn't yet percolated out to the real world, the implications of this. But but is there any insight on how you think your role and, you know, might shift because of these changes? Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time on, on, on all the different parts of our business. Uh, I guess more in the product parts, right? I mean, I, I, you know, Cheryl and, and other folks have always focused a little more on the, on the business and the, the ad side of things. And that's, I think, sort of never been the main part of what I've done. But, um, but I care deeply about the social media part of what we do. And I care deeply about the future platform work and, and what we're doing there. And, um, and, and I think my time is ramped up on the future platform work as the scale of that investment has grown. But you know, most of what we do is still social media. So I, I, I still spend a lot of time on that. And you know, I thought a bit about this because you know, one, of the, one of the, I think, intellectual temptations is to assume that all the metaverse work is actually just FRL, right? Or the reality labs part of what we do, the, 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 the kind of VR and AR. And it's actually not true. I think it's gonna be really important that you know, you're gonna build up your avatar and your identity and your digital goods. And you're gonna to wanna to use that in Instagram or in Facebook, or when you're making a video chat um, in, in Messenger or, or in WhatsApp. And you're gonna to wanna to be able to jump into different 3D games or experiences from your feed on, on Facebook or these different experiences. And um, so, I actually think a huge part of this this vision for for the metaverse. It's not just about the reality lab stuff and the future platforms. It's it's weaving all of the new technology that we're building and these products into the experiences that we build today to help advance and accelerate the coming of this um, and, and build some great new products along the way. Are you are you sure about that though? Because it's something uh, it seems that people increasingly want different personas for different scenarios. I mean, one of the things you mentioned in, in, in the, in the video is people don't always want to use their Facebook login for, for everything. I mean, do you regret forcing all Oculus users to sort of switch to their Facebook login? Like, like sometimes you have a work persona that's different than your, your social life persona might be completely different than some of your online personas. And it, it, like, to what extent do people really want yeah, everything? I, I, I this, together? Is, this is an important point. I, I'm not suggesting that you're going to have the same identity everywhere, but I think the basic technology around having uh, like an avatar system and being able to communicate across these things, um, I, I, think, I think that that's going to be very important. So um, saying that there's a difference between those two layers. And, you know, in terms of the experience having people sign into, into Quest with Facebook, I mean, it's not the direction we're going to go in going forward, right? I mean, now, now it actually, the, the feedback that we got on that was one of the things that made me actually feel a sense of urgency that we did need to make. It's that people had a different brand relationship with the overall company than the Facebook app. Um, because right now I think that there's just some confusion where, you know, when you sign into, um, you know, Quest with, with Facebook, are you signing in with the social media app? Or are you signing in with your relationship to our company overall? And it, it was just, you know, it was, it was not as clear as it should have been before. Um, and I think because of that, people had some concerns of, hey, you know, am I signing in? If I'm signing in with the social media app, does that mean that my, my data from what I'm doing in VR is somehow going to be connected or is going to show up on Facebook? Or like if my Facebook account gets 
deactivated or I want to stop using that? Does that mean my, my, um, my device is going to stop working? So I think that um, from a brand architecture for the company, that perspective, I think it is just very valuable and useful for people to have a different relationship with the company than with each of the specific apps. Um, you know, it's sort of why, you know, in the same way that you have a Microsoft account or an Apple account, that's sort of different from, um, you know, any of the specific products that you have there. I think that that's, that's a, a, a useful thing in terms of the, the, um, the universe of products that we're trying to build out. Is there a worry that, that Facebook is a liability for this future you want to build? Or are you talking about the app Facebook? You can interpret that any way you want to. There's, there's the company, which is obviously valuable because of the cash it throws off that can fund this. There's the social network, there's the app, and there's there's the brand. I mean, I think that these things are, are all combinations of, of different equities, right? I think it's, you know, I mean, clearly there's a lot of scrutiny that comes because of the social media aspects of what we do. Um, I mean, some of that is because we're a big tech company. And I think some of that is because of specifically how controversial I, I think social media is compared to um, some of the other big tech businesses. Um, so there, there are certainly challenges that, that come with that scrutiny. I think that that's what you're, you're alluding to. And I, I spend time working on a lot of important social issues. I don't think it, says, it, it could be positive or negative, right? I mean, the, you know, it, it kind of raises the question if you're maybe forcing everyone uh, on Oculus to use the Facebook login might not have been ideal for these various reasons, but that also kind of teases into why, why Facebook? Why should Facebook build this? There's a lot of investors that are like, I wish Facebook would just invest in their core business. And it, it's frustrating, you know, they're killing their margins by spending all this money on something that we don't know if it's going to exist. I, I guess that I, I, we'll, we'll close there. Why Facebook? You know, you got to it a little bit about it's your vision and it's something that excites you and, and you've always wanted to build. But when you step back as not just a founder, but also as a manager, like, like why, why is Facebook the company to do this? Well, I think at the end of the day, we're the social company, right? I mean, all of the other tech companies, you know, basically are designing ways for people to interact with technology. We're the one that looks at these problems from the perspective of designing technology so people can interact with each other. And um, and I get that that's not the only thing, right? It's, there are going to be a bunch of use cases that are that that you do by yourself or with an AI, but um, but I think that that's a, a much bigger part of our lives than than I, I, I think um, sometimes we give it credit for. And to the extent that the metaverse ends up being um, largely a social set of experiences, you know, whether that's just hanging out or you know going to concerts or working together and and kind of going to meetings together or um, you know, working out with, with, with friends, like just, just all, all these different things. Um, it's, you know, it, to the extent that this ends up being a, a largely social experience, um, I think that this is the clear extension and, and the ultimate expression of a lot of the social experiences that we've been trying to, to build. Um, and, and from that perspective, it's hard to imagine you know, what other company would even approach building this from the perspective that, that we will. Um, and I'm not saying that that's the only perspective that matters going into this, but I think that it's an important one for helping to shape the next platform. Um, so, you know, if you look at it from the, that, that perspective of the user experience, you know, de delivering that real sense of presence is, I think, the ultimate expression of, of, of that kind of digital social experience. If you think about it from the business perspective, 
enabling creators um, to be able to create this uh, you know, massively larger um, digital uh, economy of, of, of goods um, and, and people to use them in a lot of different ways. Um, I don't know. I think that, that that all makes sense. And then strategically, I just think we have a very large stake in, in helping to um, influence the development of technology platforms, because I think we've um, almost uniquely had had this vantage point among the big tech companies of, of basically having to live under the rules of the other ones um, and deliver our services through competitors rather than getting to, to set what that frame is or, or the experiences that we can build ourselves. So, I mean, that's that's why we're why we're why we're excited about it and why we're focused on this. Um, and I, I think that there's just a lot that needs to get built. So I, I think we'll, we'll have to play this forward a, a bunch of years. And and um, I'm I'm pretty excited about the the uh, you know, everything that we can bring to the space. We'll look forward to to checking in in a decade and uh, and seeing how it went. All right, sounds good. Now, thanks thanks for talking, Mark. Thank you.